0: this is podcast about narnia book
1: hi you're in a mood today aren't you it's gonna be one of those days isn't it it is it is gonna be
0: one of those days days. Uh uh-huh Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter. And today we are discussing Chapter 11 of the Silver Chair. This chapter is called "In the Dark Castle." I am a little lady eating honey cakes, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host.
1: I'm a deep politician.
0: Oh, a very deep politician.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Also known as Chris.
0: Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for joining me here today.
1: Hey, hey, little lady. Should I get you some honey cakes? Yes, please. Okay.
0: I'll take biscuits with butter and honey if that's all you have, but a little lemon honey cake would be nice. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I think I have little lemon cakes that I just got at the store.
0: Do you have some honey mead?
1: Uh, Technically, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Got some in the fridge.
0: Yeah. You got some... I don't know. What else What else do you do with honey? These are the things I know you do with honey. You put it on biscuits, you make cakes, and you make mead. What, what else can, can you do with honey?
1: Make some baklava.
0: Can I have some honey tea? Some sure. Tea with honey?
1: Why not? Anyway.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, but this isn't
1: a bee products podcast. This is
0: not a honey products podcast. Bees? Uh-huh. However... This is a podcast in which we discuss uh, the meals of Narnia, including pigeon pie, cold mm-hmm. ham, salad, and cakes.
1: Which, for a very dour underground city, is not a bad setup. Yeah, it's like that's a. Uh, I'd eat. I'm ne- I've never tasted pigeon. You've never tasted pigeon,
0: yeah, never pigeon not. pie, but yeah. like a cake. How are they ma- where, where are they getting the wheat from? Like how are they how are they are making they the, the, the flour? Pigeons? Like. Uh, Well like they could go to the surface Obviously the lady goes to the surface With her knight and to accustom his eyes To the day sun sky thing
1: Yeah The overworld lights Most of the time they're just catching pigeons That's all they do up there
0: Yeah but pigeons (sighs) wander around Like pigeons might go down into the caves Like
1: All they're going to do is leave leave a trail of breadcrumbs Where are
0: they getting salad and cake ingredients Is what I want to know
1: Well I mean if they have pigs for him Maybe they have a whole farm down there Maybe.
0: But how do they grow things that you put into salad without light? And how do you grow things? I have a problem <laughs> with this whole underground society having salad. Yeah. That's the part I have a problem with. It's not the underground society. It's not the the, the undermen. It is it is in fact the fact that they are serving salad. That's that's what I'm struggling that's with. That's your here.
1: suspension of disbelief.
0: Yeah, that's where it broke me. I was like, salads? Really? <laughs> it's snowing on the surface.
1: Yeah. I mean the giants have a very advanced culinary society as so we've already established, so.
0: Yes. But it was maybe still snowing on the surface. Yeah,
1: maybe there's a trade relationship.
0: Okay, but it was still snowing. <laughs> it's not it's not salad season.
1: Magic, Kristen. No I mean the 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 knight also mentions that he gets like these little fancy honey cakes delivered from a barbarous land to the south, so like he's getting stuff like from all over the place.
0: Well, of course, but like, I mean, whatever, whatever.
1: All right. Are the honey cakes from Kallerman though?
0: I don't know. I w- I would say that he's talking about Narnia as a barbarous land to the south, but possibly. Who knows?
1: Who knows? Uh. Anyway, so Are let's. There talking uh, how do we
0: bees in Narnia?
1: Not that we've met. How do we start off this discussion though?
0: First thing that we do is banter. After that, we uh, discuss what it is that we do for summaries. So as you and I are reading through the chapter, we each select five sentences out of the chapter to try to summarize the chapter. Yeah. In the chapter's own words. And so in order to do that, we each read our little five sentence summary to you, the audience, the listeners. This one was hard. The crowd of people clamoring to know what it is that we have to say about this book.
1: Thousands of people. All of them.
0: <laughs> All right. Chris, would you like to read your summary first?
1: Uh, Sure, I'll do that. Uh, as I said, this was really difficult because there's a lot of sentences I wanted to include that I decided to omit, and I feel like I missed a lot of plot here.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, but, like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that it's hard to condense down into five in this one. It is. Uh, but anyway, here is mine. Every night there comes an hour when my mind is most horribly changed, and after my mind, my body. The knight was seated in a curious silver chair, to which he was bound by his ankles, his knees, his elbows, his wrists, and his waist. By all fears and all loves, by the bright skies of overland, by the great lion, by Aslan himself, I charge you. In the name of Aslan, they said, and began methodically cutting the cords. You may well believe that I know Narnia, for I am Rillian, prince of Narnia, and Caspian, the great king, is my father.
0: There you go. Um, You and I both skipped over, like, the plot.
1: Yeah, I wanted to include the plot of invading Narnia that we'll get into. Like, I really wanted to but at the same time like i feel I, like i couldn't have hit the important part importance of him being really in and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah i, so I wrote was, i wrote six sentences down and had to choose which one to leave out and it was the one about digging uh, the, yeah, the whole I, thing
1: i wanted to so, include that one really badly
0: yeah all right well i will go ahead and read my stuff. <laughs> go for it every night there comes an hour when my mind is most horribly changed and after my mind, my body. Are we going back to watch the enchantment, or shall we stay here? said Scrub. By all fears and all loves, by the bright skies of overland, by the great lion, by Aslan himself I charge you. But as the silver but as the chair broke there came from it a bright flash, a sound like small thunder, and for a moment a loathsome smell. Ten years, said the prince, drawing his hand across his face as if to rub away the past. Oh, okay. So I think I included the chair as being broken. You included the chair as him being bound to it. Yeah. I included the ten years, said the prince, as my introduction of him as the actual prince. There we go, yeah. Well, you included the prince really, in, but we kind of hit all the same spots we did. Um,
1: Missed the invasion plot, though.
0: But yes, I also wrote down, Then the thin roof of earth, which still keeps me from my kingdom, will be broken through. And with her to guide me and a thousand earthmen at my back, I shall ride forth in arms, fall suddenly on our enemies, slay their chief men, cast down their strong places, and doubtless be their crowned king within four and twenty hours. Mm-hmm.
1: Since when do you get a bonus sentence?
0: I'm just telling you the other (laughs) sentence I wrote down so that we can introduce this. Because this is a primary, like, right up front type thing. Because what we have happen in the chapter, we introduce the chapter with them enjoying a meal. Uh Uh-huh. And the knight is telling them, one, about his affliction, and two, about his plans to take over some land that the lady has selected. And she is out monitoring the dig. Yeah. At said site. Where they are ready to break through to the surface and overwhelm those people.
1: They are. It's a whole plot. Yes. It's an invasion.
0: Now, do you believe that they're planning to invade Narnia proper?
1: Um, I mean, probably, since everybody always wants to invade Narnia, and it's like the, the central, I don't know, it's the center of the world that everybody wants to control for some reason. Yeah. Even though there's nothing particularly like interesting there except for talking animals.
0: Well, I mean, they've got some rivers and some resources, obviously.
1: Yeah, but so does other people. Like, Arkenland has resources, like, whatever.
0: Yeah, but they're up in the mountains. Yeah. They don't have coastal access the same as Narnia. And, that coastal access is a commodity.
1: Yeah. I guess so. So why does everybody want to control England? Because Narnia is England. Yep. <sighs> Anywho, um, before we get into it, let's, let's talk about the name of the book for a second. The Silver um, Bear. So, let's go back through uh the Narnia series as we've read it so far so we have uh the first one we read was the magician's nephew yes. out of order uh which talks about Diggory and a main character of the book yes which so, so.
0: which the title is his relationship to a secondary character yes it is hi here's the main character as presented in relationship to someone that is a secondary character
1: yes so there's a
0: primary plot driver, but a secondary character.
1: Correct. Uh, then we have Lionel. He's not
0: even a magician. <laughs> really, though. No. You said yeah. you wanted to talk about them, <laughs> not just well, run no, down a list. I, I
1: just wanted to, I wanted to run down a list. No, Sorry. okay.
0: You said you <sighs> want to talk about them. Well, Let's well, talk about yeah. them. I want
1: to talk about this one. Okay. Let me run down a list first, though. Uh-huh. Then we have Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which we read next, uh, which kind of d- details the entire plot of the book. Best titled one in the series. Wrong I order, that's, though. That's, yeah. That's the whole plot. It's the plot.
0: Wardrobe, the Witch, and the Lion.
1: Um, which one did we read next? It was, was it Horse and His Boy that yeah, we did
0: third? Horse and His Boy.
1: So, again. The one about Bree. About Bree. Yeah, and his the boy. book about Bree. Yeah, it was and the that, main character. And that kid. Yeah, two main characters. The boy,
0: uh, whatever his name was. Anyway. The boy with two names the is bo- what he was. The boy with two names. The boy
1: with two names. You know, Core Prince Kor. Yeah. Uh, and Bree, two main characters in the book through through the entire thing. Uh, then fourth, we did the fourth one.
0: Prince Caspian. Prince
1: Caspian. Yes, that one. Sorry, remembering. Uh, again, main character. He's also a character in this book. He's got staying power. Yeah. Uh, and then he shows up in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which, again, very good title. Like, talks about the Voyage, and that's the entire plot of the book. Uh,
0: we, we don't talk about those kind of things.
1: <laughs> but then this. Then we have the silver chair.
0: Yep. This is a book about um, finding a prince.
1: It is. Um, in the title, we have the silver chair introduced in this chapter. We have a, two lines about it. It gets broken. There's a flash of magical energy. And that's it. Yep. It is a magical MacGuffin that exists in two lines of the book. And it's the book title.
0: Yeah, in chapter 11.
1: why (laughs) i know right yeah why indeed like it i'm disappointed because like i going into this book for those listeners who aren't aware i didn't know anything about the plot uh i had no spoilers going into it and so i genuinely didn't know what the deal with the silver chair was i was assuming yeah it's an actual chair at some point but i figured hey this is going to have some much greater impact on the entire book and it's going to be a thing rather than here
0: it's a, it's a distinctly important plot moment
1: here's a throwaway plot device i mean this is as much this is as much and this is as important to the plot as you know freaking puddle glum's thimble full of giant liquor that he drinks from and gets drunk and then has the whole thing like i think there's actually more written about that than there <laughs> is about the silver chair this could be called like you know the Chronicles of Narnia, Book Six, Puddle Glum's Temple. Yeah, like- but
0: but the silver <laughs> chair is a magical implement that is being used. It's yeah. like Susan's horn. Yeah, where it has a a a purpose. Uh huh. And it uses magic to yeah. do that. Like, and so at this point, this chair is part of the enchantment that's on Rillian. Yeah, we don't understand the full extent of that, but we know that when Rillian starts. Like, the enchantment starts to wear off to where he starts to remember himself again. If he is locked in this chair, he can't escape from it and also will be put back under the enchantment and forget who he is. Correct. So, and it's it's obvious that this isn't just a a chair used to restrain him for, like, the hour a day that he remembers who he is. It is, it is obviously magical and yeah. part of the enchanting process
1: it involves a terrible smell at some point yes a lot of, a lot of eggs in that chair yep <laughs> um, anyway so we open up with a feast we have dinner with uh, you know the the character that we learn is the prince of as we mentioned pigeon pies cold ham salad where's that coming from yep uh, we know where the cakes are coming from they get them imported from barbarous land of the south apparently Uh, And they enjoy this dinner and the prince spells out their whole dastardly plot and just in true supervillain fashion just completely outlines everything that they're planning on.
0: Well, he starts by talking about every night there comes an hour when my mind, the one we both used. And I I don't want to skip over the fact that everyone tells him that he turns into the likeness of a great serpent, Mm -hmm. hungry, fierce and deadly.
1: They wouldn't lie to him.
0: Well, regardless of whether or not they lie to him, as we're reading this as an audience member, we know that there's a serpent, Yeah. that the witch lady is a serpent, and that Ooh. there's a serpent on the cover of multiple editions of the book, including yours, yeah. that is attacking somebody who matches the knight's description. So does he separate from himself and attack himself? Or what is the deal? Like, what is this serpent that he supposedly becomes is it entirely a lie being told to him or is he actually going to become a snake if they don't release him because of the influence of the witch lady
1: could be a secondary curse uh i mean like we haven't had it spelled out yet that the witch is the snake like it is very heavily implied
0: jill said outright and all of the owls agreed yeah jill said i think it's the same person and the owl said we agree that's that that is as good as Lewis <laughs> saying Aslan himself said it. Yeah. Like it's yeah, that's that's the case. We both know it.
1: Yeah. Uh anyway, uh apparently he changed this into a giant snake, they don't want to be around for that. But then they go into talking about uh this whole plan that apparently The, the- Queen
0: knows by her art that he'll be freed from the enchantment once he is a king of a land in the overworld.
1: Yep. And then
0: the crown's on his head.
1: They gotta make him king. Uh, And so the Earthmen are all set up, and they're digging out uh, uh, vast networks and caverns underground. Like, they're almost broken through. Like, they're right under the surface of this land that they're about to invade. Which we don't actually learn what that is. Like, it might be Narnia? Like, we don't know for sure.
0: Yeah, but if it's a land to the south, it has to be Narnia. Otherwise, they've dug all the way across Narnia to Arkenland, and there's no reason for them to currently be at a castle under the giant's territory.
1: Yes. Here's my question, though. Uh, And, you know, I have several questions in this chapter, but here's my main question here. It's like you had the question about where does the salad come from? Mm -hmm. This seems like a very, very convoluted plan. Like, let's say, let's just assume, baselessly speculate, that... They're trying to take over Narnia. Like, they have the Earthmen digging out all these tunnels. Like, they have the army that's going to spring up from the ground, overtake Narnia. And then, you know, is becomes a puppet king, and the queen is behind him. And she's going to rule, and he's going to listen and do everything she says, etc., etc. Yeah. And that's the whole plan. It seems like a lot of steps to get to a place that we would have been at anyway. Like, leave Rillian alone. He's going to become the king of Narnia. Why not approach him then and ensorcel him as your, like, gorgeous, like, witch lady self when he's already king? Instead of going through this whole plan of, oh, I need an army of earthmen to come up and take over the nation. Like, it just seems like...
0: It was an opportunity, I think. (sighs) I think that he came to the water enough times that she was able to get connected with him. Uh I think that the ensorceling took time. Yeah. And I think that he would not have been so unprotected and left alone for so much time that she could get her claws into him once he's actually king. Yeah. No one would have let him go stand by the water for hours.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying like she could have been like a visiting dignitary from another country and like this gorgeous young woman who like falls in love with him and like it just it's much easier to manipulate a man than this chapter is uh, making it out to be. <laughs> It's just
0: <laughs> Wow.
1: I'm I'm just saying that Noted. Like... <laughs> Um
0: With that said though, she's also a long liver. And yeah. long livers are known for patience in their plans and yeah. having long term plans. Apparently. Alright. I mean She it... also needed Caspian to be gone because she killed Caspian's wife.
1: Yeah. Would anybody have known that though?
0: Also, this kid is part star.
1: He is part Maybe. star. We don't know. Seems like he should have res- like a natural resistance to being enchanted or something. He
0: should, right? He doesn't.
1: Uh, what are his racial bonuses that he yeah, gets? Yeah,
0: what some? is his one-quarter star-born energy?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, anyway, they have this whole plan that's very convoluted where the Earthmen are going to come up. They're going to take over Narnia. Uh, I don't
0: think it's convoluted, and I don't think it's convoluted for a couple of reasons. We have, uh, like... Borders and garrisons that are going to be completely passed and skipped over. Yeah. We got to the border of Narnia and the giant's territory as the owl flies in one night. Yeah. As the owl flies one night, which means that once this army is at the edge of Narnian territory, if they're digging straight to Care Paravel, like they can get there in. in less than 12 hours of traveling yeah. so yes it's it is a very effective plan if they spring up at caraparavel take it unawares well there's no chance of raising an army to come and they only have to deal with the castle defenders
1: uh-huh uh which as we know is tiny place like the entire continent is, apparently, because, like, we, we established in Horse and His Boy just how stupid close Calarman was to the borders of Narnia and Arkenland and everything.
0: That said, though, the kids have been walking for weeks?
1: Yeah. With Puddlegum?
0: Question mark? Yeah, that's... that's Rougher terrain, though, because they've got mountains to deal with. They're going uphill.
1: And they're children. Yeah. They're not experienced hikers or anything.
0: Yeah. But still, I do think that it's a little interesting that they would choose... To attack Narnia. I mean, like, I guess it makes the most sense because they don't want to attack the giants.
1: Um. Well, here's my question. Again, I, I keep saying it like I only have one. Yep. Here's another question. So, as we established, as you said, the queen is a long liver. Like, she's got plans. Yeah. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Do you think what if this whole thing uh, about invading and taking Narnia is actually a second attempt? And what if she tried and failed before? We know that she has some sort of relationship with the giants. Oh, you
0: think that this is a thousand-year-old plan?
1: Uh Uh-huh. What if she tried with the giants before and failed? That's what the whole giant war thing was about and why Peter had to go up north and fight him off at the border. It's very possible. Because she was trying to invade with the giants and it didn't work out.
0: Very possible.
1: And so she's been spending the last thousand years building up this army of Earthmen and digging out terrain in order to try again
0: very very possible i like it Uh uh-huh um what was her intention in killing the queen
1: i don't know that's a good question it's like isolating really and i guess like giving him a reason to come out and you know spend time away from the castle do
0: you think that it was him that she was after, or do you think she was after Caspian?
1: Could have been after Caspian. Like, maybe. Maybe this was just, like, plan C. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we detail this whole plan. And then the hour gets late, the dinner's over, and it is time for uh, the knight's transformation. Yep. And he bids them farewell, and he's just like, yep, you gotta take off uh i'm gonna be dreadfully dangerous and you don't want to be around me but he
0: also says he doesn't want to be
1: alone yeah unless maybe you do question mark he's just playing hard to get here uh and he's like all right all right well i can't convince the Earthmen to leave you alone and not imprison you however you can go there hide in that other room and then wait till they're gone
0: yeah
1: because nobody's nobody's allowed to be in the room with me when i go through this transformation
0: except except for her lady the queen because she cares so much about his dignity
1: Yes. Um, Anyway, so they go and hide, and then they have a long debate about what to do.
0: They have a vote, basically. Uh huh. They basically just have a vote. I don't feel like it's a long debate where they say, Should we go back? And Jill says no, and the other two say yes, and so they go back.
1: Yep. And then they are just like, Well, no matter
0: what he says, we're all in agreement. We will not free him.
1: Yep, and Jill says there's nothing in the world he could say or do that'll make me change my mind. Yep. We'll see how, that, how long that lasts. Yep,
0: indeed.
1: <laughs> so they they discuss, they're going to go back in, watch it happen, and they go back in and they see you know, and listen to the ravings of a madman. He
0: Where, starts in a low voice.
1: Yes, he talks about enchantments and being buried alive and the, these maggot men surrounding him.
0: Let me out, let me see the sun.
1: And there used to be a pool, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, He talks about the enchanted chair. Um, Talks about how they, you know, the whole rumor about him becoming a serpent is a complete lie.
0: Hush, something's happening.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And then begs and implores them to let him go.
0: Stand fast. Steady.
1: Stand fast. Yep. And uh, they are standing fast. They don't give up on their word. They're not going to let him go. And then he says... Oh, you have hearts of stone. Yeah. They're... They're just cold-hearted, not rescuers like he wants them to be. Steady. Steady.
0: Now the frenzy is beginning. I hope those knots are all right.
1: like you trying to add atmosphere here. Um,
0: yep. <laughs> this thing. I try.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, and then he says the magic words.
0: He does. Before that, I like Puddle Glum's little... little uh, moment where he's trying to 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 stop any bad things from happening and using his magic oh. he says yes said Puddleglum. he'd have twice his natural strength if he got free now and i'm not clever with my sword he'd get us both i shouldn't wonder and then Pole would be pull on her own would be left to tackle the snake
1: that is the thing though i don't know i'm this passage has made me doubt Puddleglom's magical abilities a little bit so far, or at Why? least his foresight, because like he, he is he's hexing here, but as we know later on, these are things that can't or won't happen. Like he's not actually gonna turn into a monster, he's not actually a snake. He's
0: not because Puddleglum said
1: so. <laughs> So he's, he's influenced the entire plot of the book, is basically oh, yeah, what we're saying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Here. Okay.
0: All right, but then yes, he says the line that we both used in our summaries as sentence number three, I believe. Uh-huh. By all fears.
1: Um, by all fears and all loves, by the bright skies of Overland, by the great lion, by Aslam hence Aslam Aslam, Aslam. Aslan. Aslan's cousin, uh, by Aslan himself, I charge you. And then they all are like, Irma Gerd, it's the sign, which I'm really happy about because I was going to be really frustrated if they forgot this one. Anyway, so that would have been annoying and dumb, but they immediately get it. Hooray, they're not dumb for once. Woohoo hoo uh, But then they debate whether or not, like, even if it is the sign, is it smart to follow it?
0: What does the sign say?
1: Uh, does the
0: sign say, free the person who asks you in my name? No. Does the sign say, help the person who asks you in my name? I believe so. No. It says, the person who asks you in my name is Rillian. Yes. That's all it says. That is all it says. It doesn't say anything about helping him. It doesn't say anything about doing... you. But No. No. It just says, that's Rillian.
1: I mean, their entire mission is to help him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, rescue him. But they keep talking about the sign as if the sign told them... To let him go, it did not. The sign no. said, "The person you're looking for is the first person who will ask you something in my name."
1: Well, then they messed this one up too.
0: <laughs> no, they didn't. Apparently, no. No.
1: Um,
0: they just now all all that this sign means is that's Rillian. So no. if they if they decide to help him, they're doing what they were tasked with, but it's but it's not following the sign. The, the sign was just here's who you're looking for. That's correct. But they keep talking about it like, and and even Puddleglum says, Aslan didn't tell Pole what would happen. He only told her what to do. That fellow will be the death of us once he's up, I shouldn't wonder. But that doesn't let us off following the sign. The sign is not unlock him. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that that they shouldn't unlock him because the sign is that's Rillian. And their goal is to get Rillian back to Narnia. That's yes. their that's their goal. Yes. So with that sign, th- they need to help this kid. However, the sign does not say they need to do anything. It just says, that's Rillian.
1: Yeah. Well, they decided to do something.
0: Yeah. I just, I don't like the way that they all react to him saying that and being like, the sign, we need to do what the sign said. Well, they're
1: overzealous. They've missed the first three signs entirely. I mean, we we can hearken back to that uh, because I think it's worth pausing here and looking over the signs and saying the first one when Scrub go You have something.
0: No, I'm just going to... I'm ready to read the signs.
1: Okay. Go ahead. The first one when Scrub first goes down to Narnia, the first person he sees is an old friend or whatever, and he if he acknowledges him, he's going to have great help. Yes. Let's say they had done that. Let's say they, they went... And they were like, Irma Gerd, hey, Caspian, it's me, Eustace, remember me? We had a whole thing. Had that happened, how would this have gone differently?
0: Well, uh, Eust- the, as soon as Eustace set foot in Narnia, he will meet an old and dear friend, which huh. he did not meet anybody. Yes. He just saw someone at a distance. Correct. He must greet that friend at once. If he does, you will both have good help. Yeah. Because they would not have the situation where Trumpkin says nobody can go. Yeah. They would have Caspian saying, oh, you are sent by Aslan to bring back my son. Yeah. Maybe Caspian would go with them. But he would certainly send an, horses and some soldiers with them.
1: Yeah. Which I would assume. But at the same time, like if that's the case, and they follow every other sign of the letter, like, they still find the giant city, they still find the sign that says, under me, they have to get under the city, they're still gonna run into a whole civilization of Earthmen. Yeah. And, like, if they have a whole, like, contingent with them, oh, hey, we get into a protracted battle instead of just being taken captive and going in. Possible. Like, I don't see it as being easier, I guess. Okay. Like, unless they bring an army large enough to just, like, Plow through the Earthman camp.
0: I'm not going to argue with you because I've always seen them failing to get the first few signs as non plot important. Yeah. Like, there is only one chapter added to this book because they didn't follow one of the signs.
1: Yeah, the chapter in Harfang.
0: I mean, technically, they wouldn't have had the whole Parliament vowels. They would have just headed off, and we yeah. probably would have had some adventures along the way.
1: And we wouldn't have Puddle Glum ones.
0: And they properly wouldn't... Yeah, we wouldn't have Puddle Glum. They properly wouldn't have ended up in... Pro- they probably wouldn't have ended up in Harfang. Yeah. But the... You must journey out of Narnia to the north until you come to the city of the ancient giants, um, the city ruinous. You will find the writing on a stone in that ruined city, and you must do what the writing tells you. And the fourth sign, you will know the lost prince if you find him by this, that he will be the first person you have met in your travels who will ask you to do something in my name, in the name of Aslan. Now, it doesn't say... You should do what he asks you. It just says he's the first person who's going to ask you to do something.
1: Yeah, well, so they help him anyway. They have this.
0: (laughs) They do what he (laughs) asks.
1: All that to say, they do what he asks. Uh, They all say goodbye to each other first, being like, "All right, well, he's obviously going to kill us, but we need to do it anyway because Aslan told us to." And they cut him free. And as soon as they cut him free, he immediately grabs his sword and falls upon the chair.
0: It must have been a really good sword. Right? cuts
1: right through the uh, the silver, though.
0: Silver's really uh, soft and malleable. It is. It's not a good chair-making material.
1: <laughs> no, it's an enchanted chair. Who knows? Uh, but the chair breaks. Uh, there's a bright flash, small thunder, terrible smell. smell. Yeah. Apparently it was uh, under some sort of enchantment.
0: It was a magic chair. It
1: was a magic chair. Uh I feel like we it's worth taking a brief moment other than ranting about the title and how this chair doesn't mean anything uh in the long run to i don't know i think it's interesting it's an interesting reversal of tropes i suppose where in a lot of fiction like silver is kind of a bane of monsters or like hey you have to use silver to kill a werewolf or like there's various things that are, like, allergic to silver. Uh, and it's, like, this uh, not necessarily holy thing, but, but offers it represents protection. a purity and protection, Repre- yes, yes. It represents absolutely. that. Uh, and here we have this uh, narrative being woven that in order to prevent the prince from turning into a monster, he has to be strapped to this silver chair, which kind of goes along with the folklore but in reality, the silver itself is the thing that is enchanting him. Yes. So it's a little bit of a of a turnabout.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the chair is broken, and then his mind starts coming back to him.
0: Yes, and he recognizes a Marshwiggle. Uh, and he... A true Narnian Marshwiggle. true
1: Narnian Marshwiggle. Uh, but he does use, say this really cool line of, uh, Lie there, vile engine of sorcery. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, I wrote that one down.
1: That's a a great album title, Vile Engine of Sorcery. (laughs) For like a wizard themed metal band or something. Yep.
0: Um, I love (laughs) me a wizard themed metal band.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so he recognizes uh, the Marsh Wiggle, introduces himself as Rillian, Ermigerd. Hey, it's Rillian. We never saw that coming.
0: You didn't? (laughs) Certainly not.
1: Never. Uh, And uh, introduces himself, and they introduce themselves as the rescuers. Eustace is like, yeah, hey, I went on adventures with your dad a long time ago. That Except cool. that he
0: doesn't. And that bothered me. It didn't. He phrases it wrong.
1: He says, "I'm Eustace who sailed with him to the island of Ramandu."
0: Who's him? Read the read the last dialogue line before that.
1: We were sent by Aslan himself from beyond the world's end to seek your highness. I'm Eustace who sailed with him to the island of Ramandu.
0: He sailed with Aslan is what he just said.
1: Yeah, that's. He
0: met <laughs> Aslan once.
1: Yeah, I guess that's.
0: And then had some barbecued fish that the sheep <sighs> Aslan did.
1: Yeah, I guess that is a weird phrasing. Uh, anyway, and they tell him that his father is probably, possibly alive, but he's really old and he sailed off into wherever.
0: Really uh, old? What?
1: Because been, he's been down here for ten years, apparently.
0: Yep.
1: Ten years just biding this time with the queen, long liver that she is. Uh, and then he, he takes this really well and kind of immediately recovers and is just like, all right, we need to get out. They're coming. Uh,
0: and follow that's my where, lead.
1: Yep, and that's where the chapter ends.
0: He basically just says, follow my lead. Yeah. We're going to surprise them. Indeed. And that's it. Yep, that is the end of the chapter.
1: Yeah, so... We, we learned the entire plot of the book so far. Yes. Uh, we learned what's actually been going on. Like, he's been the knight. Like, when they've gone out, he has to cover his face and not speak to anyone, lest anybody recognize him.
0: Which, from what she said to him, is because it will hinder his breaking of the oh, enchantment. Oh, of course, yeah. Yes, of course. Uh-huh. Also, it's to keep his eyes used to the overworld. Yeah. Because if she's going to go take over the overworld...
1: He can't be stumbling around blind up there. He that can't wouldn't do be. any good.
0: That would do no good.
1: Uh, all right. Anything you think we didn't touch on, or we need to spend more time on talking about?
0: Eustace kind of said he sailed with Aslan. Yeah. Oh, I I mentioned a line earlier, and it's just one of those things I like to point out in all of the books because of the history of magic in the story as we've read them. Uh huh. The use of the phrase "hearts of stone," um, and the fact that we have talked about the White Witch. Turning people to stone, mm-hmm. and that this enchantment of the silver chair on Rillian has led him to turn their hearts to stone, mm-hmm. so that when he asks for help as Rillian, they won't help
1: him. Yes,
0: because the enchantment has turned their hearts to stone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah,
1: a lot of stone and imagery. Yeah, just
0: throughout the series and as a whole.
1: Do we do we still think that the uh, the green lady is somehow the white witch?
0: I don't know if she is the white witch, but I think that she's related to the white witch somehow. Yeah.
1: You know, maybe there's a whole like, maybe there's like seven or eight of them, and they all have different colors.
0: Like My a question: a white witch.
1: There's a green lady.
0: <laughs> that said, though, is was this book written first, or was Magician's Nephew written first?
1: Because uh,
0: I'm pretty sure Magician's Nephew was written after this. I'm pretty sure Magician's Nephew was the sixth book. Yes, so in publishing order, we have the the Pevensey storyline. Uh-huh. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and Silver Chair. I consider part of the Pevensey storyline because it has scrub in it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then we had The Horse and His Boy, Magician's Nephew, and The Last Battle written. Okay. So, yes, The Magician's Nephew was written sixth in publication order. With that said, we have The White Witch... Then we have the Telmarines. Then we have traveling over the seas and the star people. Then we have the silver chair with the green witch lady. Then we have the horse and his boy with Arkenland. Then we have the magician's nephew rewriting the history of the white witch. Yeah. And then we have the last battle. So it is possible that Lewis was intending very much to have these witch figures be characters that had a, a history in Narnia. Yeah. And that there was, like, a coven of them of different colors. Yeah. And this is, you know, Jadis the white and, you know, Radagast the brown (laughs) and stuff like that (laughs) That as they (laughs) travel around.
1: I knew we were going to get there eventually.
0: But we also have read these in an order that tells us, no, the witch wasn't there and we shouldn't have this kind of idea. But, like, had we read them in publishing order, we would have gotten here saying, oh, yes, obviously the witches are associated. Yeah. Obviously they're both color dominant. They both have, like, very specific magics that they use, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They both are summoning up from the earth help, like, the black dwarves and the earthmen, and all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this very specific imagery that that would obviously connect them, and then we would get to the magician's nephew, read that book, and be like, "All right, so this is how Jadis got there. What's the deal <laughs> with the green one?" Yeah, it would have been a very different moment, reverse deal. So I don't, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's it's unrealized potential, I guess, or yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The magician's nephew just realized it. The Magician's nephew just ruined everything. Yeah. Just uh, retconned it, and for whatever reason, Lewis was just like, nope, this universe I'm building doesn't make any sense. We need to uh, restart it from the ground up.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Cool. Well, should we move on to our next segment, Kristen? Sure. All right. What do we do there?
0: In our next segment, we uh, read the summaries that we... Not summaries. (laughs) We read the rewrites that we created from the chapter.
1: They're summaries of our own stories, though. They are
0: summaries (laughs) of our own stories. So what we do is, as we are reading the chapter, not only do we select five sentences for our summaries, we also select five sentences for our rewrite, where we try to tell a new story with the sentences that came out of the chapter as it was written. Yes. This is a creative exercise on our part, but sometimes it does help us discover something else about The themes or are just general impressions of the content of the chapter Mm. and allows us to read something more into the chapter than we originally would have. All of that said, I believe I will read my rewrite first because you did your summary first. Sounds good. Here we go. What? He cried, turning to Puddleglum. Is he yet alive? He walked resolutely to the door and flung it wide open. The instant the prisoner was free, he crossed the room in a single bound seized his own sw- sword which had been taken from him and laid on the table and drew it lie there vile engine of sorcery he said lest your mistress should ever use you for another victim
1: nice uh i wanted to use that line too yeah. i didn't it's a good line but this uh this imagery of like conflict happening where there not necessarily conflict is something that I also picked up on it's a it's a road I try to go down mm-hmm. uh, but anyway I like that what what was the idea behind it like just this uh...
0: um to create a different setting where there is a different prisoner and like that Rillian is like what he's still alive and throws the door open and the prisoner attacks him and kills him and Rillian is the one who is in fact the uh, machine of sorcery Wow engine of sorcery sorcery. And his schwad.
1: Yeah, he might be. Uh, cool. So I went a slightly different direction with it. Mm-hmm. So here is my rewrite. The land is already chosen and the very place of our breaking out. There's a strange smell of danger and lies and magic and treason about this land than I've ever smelled before. We were sent by Aslan himself from beyond the world's end to seek your highness said scrub give me my sword you first he cried and fell upon the silver chair hmm uh so this was rewrite talking about um aslan giving them a mission to dethrone a corrupt king okay that's kind of where i was going with that as them going into a corrupted land and dethroning the uh the ruler, upon the silver chair.
0: Yeah. No, 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 I get that. Yeah. And that is essentially what they're doing. They're coming here into Underworld, and they're going to probably end up killing the the Green Lady who has been ruling this place. Yeah. So that's probably exactly what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. But that's but that's for baseless speculation, Kristen.
0: Isn't it just?
1: Uh, so in our next segment that we go into, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I've never read this book. I don't know what's going to happen plot-wise or anything like that. And so what I like to do is baselessly speculate and see where the book is trying to take us what I think.
0: I still don't know why we titled it that.
1: I don't know. <laughs> um, so anywho. Uh, also, I think we, we forgot to introduce our previous segment as Narnia Chopped and Screwed, which is what it's called.
0: Did we forget, though? <laughs> Did we? Did we forget?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so baseless speculation, we are winding up the plot Uh, We've tied up a lot of loose ends here. We figured out that Rillian is uh, the Black Knight. Obviously, he's been ensorcelled. We knew that. Uh, we got to go take out the Green Lady and escape. The possible plot lines the book can keep going in uh, are definitely narrowing down, and I feel like there's not a lot of interesting stuff I can speculate about.
0: Yeah. Because
1: that's, I mean, oh, hey, yeah, they're going to go confront the Green Lady, who's obviously the snake, and there's a cover of somebody who's probably really in taking on the snake, and this is the monster he set out to defeat ten years ago, and she's going to get killed, and they're all going to go back and live happily ever after. Whatever. Yes, but Um, there's
0: also now an added plot element of them having to protect probably Narnia from invasion. Yes.
1: Yes. How do they deal with the Earthmen? That's a question Uh, that I'm not prepared to answer, because I went to a different direction entirely. I haven't done this in a while, where I stepped outside of the bounds of the book uh, itself. Okay, But you got to follow me here because I'm about to blow your mind, but it's going to be a little journey that we go on. I'm ready. You're ready. I'm packed. So you're familiar. Uh, I'm assuming, I don't know if you've ever, you've ever watched it this way, but the whole idea that you can watch Wizard of Oz synced up to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And like the, the <laughs> I told you to, I told you to hang out with me here. So you can watch Wizard of Oz while playing Dark Side of the Moon if you, like, start the record at the exact same time, like, the MGM logo shows up, the entire movie syncs up with the record. Like, you've heard of this idea, at least.
0: No, I haven't.
1: Okay. This is a well-known thing. Okay. Um, but it's, like, all the songs, like, a lot of the, the story elements and, like, the lyrics sync up really, really well with things that happened in the film.
0: Okay.
1: And a lot of people think it was very much intentional on Pink Floyd's part that they did it to go along with the movie okay um anyway i think i think i found the song for this book okay now (laughs) all right just a song but i think once i really get into my evidence and my thesis here you won't be able to deny that there's something here
0: okay
1: okay we have to go into a bit of background first uh,
0: I love I love an idea that
1: needs this much. Explanation. It, it it needs this much explanation because I'm really trying to pad out this segment. Uh, Leonard Cohen, <laughs> Canadian singer songwriter, uh, sadly passed away in 2016, but uh, he's uh, he's a great songwriter, uh, also poet, novelist. He did not actually begin his professional music career until the age of 33. Uh, before that, uh, he dabbled in a few creative projects. He was uh, mainly a poet, published poet, uh, published novelist as well. He wrote a few different books. Uh, and fun fact about Leonard Cohen is that he was born in 1933, and he really started getting into the creative side of things as far as like publishing uh, post-college in his kind of mid-20s which was around the mid-50s and the time that all of the Narnia books were being released. So that's point number one. Uh, Point number two is that he had a couple of children kind of much later in life where his two children were born in 1972 and 1974. That was about 10 years or so before he released the song that he is best known for and which made him famous, which was "Hallelujah,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: around uh, he released that in 1984. Around the time that uh, his children would have been between eight and ten. Okay. And my thesis is. He had an appreciation for the Narnia novels, because he was getting into writing at about the same time that they originally got published. When he had children, obviously read them to him, uh, read them to his kids as bedtime stories, etc etc And this idea, for some reason, of this book stuck in his head. And most of the lyrics of Hallelujah were actually based somewhat on the plot of this novel. So let's go through the lyrics of Hallelujah really quick. <laughs> okay. Um, because... Because I feel like there's something here for sure.
0: I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. Yes. That is how. you don't really care for music, do you? That's
1: how it starts. And I'll admit, the first verse doesn't really do a lot to support the plot. Like, we can we can make all kinds of weird connections between, like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's...
0: I heard there was a secret place that Eustace said we could go to if we put our hands toward the east yeah. and asked Aslan yeah. to take us yeah. there.
1: Like, the first verse, whatever. Um, but it's really the second verse that we really get into this. So, your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. Mm-hmm. Like, it this is. It would be is. really
0: weird if this was a reference to King David. Yes, it, well, yeah, In the Bible. Yeah, I know. Yes, as referenced yes, yes, in the first yes, verse. It is. But and al- Bathsheba.
1: Yes. Yes. But also, mm-hmm. really, in. First sees this beautiful lady down by the pond, like this reflective pool. Can you know? Basically, sees her bathing, like gets entranced by her beauty, etc., etc. Okay. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair, and from your lips she drew the Hallelujah.
0: Okay.
1: Literally to a silver chair. Yes, he literally gets tied to a, a a chair. She broke his throne, like, she removes him from power in his rightful spot as being the heir to Prince Caspian. Like, she basically ensorcells him, and, like, she, he is becoming her puppet, and basically repeating, you know, whatever it is that she wants him to say. Okay. Like, she's drawing the hallelujah, she's drawing the words from his lips. <clears throat> uh, next verse. Well, maybe there's a god above. As for me, all I've ever learned from love is how to shoot somebody who outdrew you. But it's not a crime that, you've here, that, you're, that you're here tonight. It's not some pilgrim who claims to have seen the light. No, it's a cold and it's a very broken hallelujah. And I feel like this verse kind of speaks to the atmosphere of them finding him here in this very cold and broken place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not a crime that you're here tonight. Like, the, the the mole men under the earth very much want to imprison you and they barely tolerate your presence. But like, no, this is not a crime you're here to rescue me. This is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, all I've ever learned from love is how to shoot somebody who outdrew you. Like, obviously, the, the witch has had the drop on him, like, ensorcelled him, got him under her spell. But in doing that, like, she's also set in motion events that will let him overcome her.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, next verse. Well, people, I've been here before. I know this room and I've walked this floor. You see, I used to live alone before I knew you. I've seen your flag in the Marble Arch, but listen, love. Love is not some kind of victory march. No, it's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. So, like, this speaks very much to, like, his returning memories and him realizing who he is again.
0: Or his returning to Care Paravel and his father not being there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, saying, I used to live alone before I knew you. Like, he's been very alone in this space before, like, the like, Scrub and Jill and Puddleglum show up to rescue him. Mm -hmm. And, like, also could be talking about, him going back and reclaiming his throne and reclaiming per Faravel, which stands empty now. Because his father's gone. Uh, next verse, again. There was a time you let me know what's really going on below. But now you never show it to me, do you? Like, what's really going on below? This is the unfolding of the plot in the Underdark and, like, the Earthmen and, you know, him revealing this plot to. The people that can possibly help in stopping it etc etc and i remember when i moved in you and the holy dove she was moving to and every single breath we drew was hallelujah uh this is another one that it, it, it's hard to fit this line in particularly uh though though the holy dove of the holy spirit obviously can be the movement of vaslan and how like this is all ordained and like he's showing up here to make this uh happen right uh and normally That is in most covers in the radio play of the song. That's the last verse uh, of the song that plays. Mm -hmm. So we can stop there. However, in the original Leonard Cohen version, there is another verse that I think is fun to include. Now, I've done my best. I know it wasn't much. I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch. I've told the truth. I didn't come here to London just to fool you. So this is coming from, I think, Aslan's perspective. I don't know. I because think that's they... coming
0: from his perspective of having to explain to everybody back in Paravel that he is not enchanted anymore. Mm-hmm. He is not coming back to Paravel because we all know that Narnia is England. Paravel would be London. He's not coming back be. to Paravel to fool the people.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: He's not enchanted. He's not, he's not coming back under the, the Green Lady anymore.
1: That's true. That's, that's a solid idea. I didn't think of it that angle. Like mm-hmm. you're you're outdoing me on my own stupid theories here.
0: I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> Not
1: you do. And then last last verse of the song, and even though it all went wrong, I'll stand right here before the Lord of Song with nothing nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. Like even though all of my plans failed, like I got in prison for ten years, like I nearly lost everything, I'll stand here before Aslan. You know, and I've come back to him. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, I know the song is very referential to the story of David, mm-hmm. and like, in a very roundabout way, yes, it makes sense to be like, oh yeah, this is also the story of David told. You know, that, in a children's that fantasy really setting. End is David. Yes, that really end is David.
0: King David coming back. He's yeah. He's ruddy and blonde and off to. Save the world.
1: Yeah. Tell me I'm not wrong about there being some interesting parallels in the song.
0: I mean, there's interesting (sighs) parallels in The Man in the Iron Mask, too, where (laughs) somebody is walked away and their face is hidden from the world. Yeah. Because of their potential to destabilize a government. Yeah. Like, and that, that one involves the three musketeers from the three musketeers getting back together and going to... Save the kingdom in France. like.
1: So what you're saying is there's nothing new under the sun and, like, all these stories are the same.
0: I'm saying that if you're going to (laughs) draw literary parallels, make Mm -hmm. this a literary parallel to David. And you can reference Cohen, but, like, despite all of that, like, if you want to talk about this book as an allegory or an analogy or an illusion. Uh-huh. If you want to talk about this book as an allusion to something, like... Yeah, that's, that, this this is a great illusion to indicate that this book is about, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. So that's my basis. I've always
0: found the Hallelujah book to be a little confusing because... Or the Hallelujah song to be a little confusing because it talks about David, but then it talks about this idea of cutting someone's hair, which I've always associated with Samson and Delilah from the, the Bible story there. Yes. And so I always... I've always had like an imagery issue with that particular section. Yeah. And so like she ties him up and cuts his hair is it, it's basically indicating a similar loss of power mm-hmm. and that is also being experienced by David due to sin. And so what is really in sin here? Really? At the end of the day, that has led to him losing his power. hmm His sin is going to mourn for his mother and looking at somebody. Yeah. Like.
1: His sin is vengeance, I think.
0: Is his sin vengeance? Because he went there looking for vengeance, but then fell in love. Mm-hmm. Or Lust with mm-hmm. this woman and if you're drawing this parallel to the hallelujah song, which involves issues of lust being the downfall of great men mm-hmm. Both in the case of David and Bathsheba and in the case of Samson and Delilah mm-hmm. You then have to say okay Well, then his sin is lust and this whole book is about lust and if we're gonna t- Take each of the seven books and say each of the seven books represents a different of the seven deadly sins Yeah, or the seven virtues when maybe this is the book about lust. This is the island you were looking for in that whole previous book <sighs> about pride.
1: Yeah. This is the island I was looking for. Yep. Wow.
0: Underground. Under the giants.
1: hmm Cool.
0: Though they did spend days on the boat, so maybe they are much closer to being under Narnia than I was giving them credit for. So I forgot. I was like, oh, yeah, they have to walk so far to get to the edge of Narnia. But they did go on that boat for a really long time. And that was a straight shot. So they may very well be under the marsh whipples. They may very well be what? under oh, Narnia already. About? No, no, no. When the ki- when they when they got down, they they fell down oh, yes, into other yes, yes, towns yes, yes, yes. with the okay. things and the giant place. Then they put them on a boat. And we yeah. don't know how long they were on the boat. But I was like, oh, they were walking for weeks. So yeah. They, they... Yeah, yeah. They may be a lot closer to Narnia than we thought. They could be. Than I thought. Yep. Okay, anyway, sorry. Taking it back.
1: <laughs> anyway, so that's my stupid theory about uh, Leonard Cohen actually basing his most popular song that's a uh, all-time classic on this dumb children's book. Uh, anyhow.
0: <laughs> may very well.
1: Uh, cool, that's all I got. Right. I'm sure I've offended like a lot of Leonard Cohen fans out there today.
0: I'm sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: going to get a very, very angry letter from Nathan.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're going to get an angry letter from Nathan being like, Leonard who? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Anywho. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to let Chris know how offended you are about his Leonard Cohen references, you can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of the silver chair broken into shards at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast and help us pay our monthly hosting fee. And that's it. You don't get anything for it. We just, you know, appreciate you. Maybe maybe you'll get to be a guest on the podcast like all of our other Patreon patrons have been.
1: Yep. Whoever you are and wherever you are, if you give us $1,000, you will absolutely be a guest on the show
0: i'm I'm not even saying a thousand dollars i'm saying give five <laughs> bucks a month and you will probably be a, a guest on the show i'm, I'm we, just we need one in about a month
1: no i'm just saying we need we, to
0: start looking for our next guest we
1: only have like two or three guest spots left so that's gonna be
0: yeah it's gonna be tight i mean timing wise not really
1: <laughs> Anywho.
0: what what books do we have left we have this one and last battle Last battle. That's, that's
1: it, it. So we're almost done with. At this. a minimum,
0: we only need two more guests.
1: We're almost done with this dump. At project. a
0: maximum, we need six more guests. Yeah,
1: I was, I was. I was. I've been thinking we're gonna do at least three episodes, three wrap up episodes after book seven. Mm. Three, huh? Well, I feel like we need to do a book seven wrap up, and then we need at least a two part episode on wrapping up the entire series, and like talking about the whole series as a whole. That's a lot of stuff to get into. So
0: it really is. Anyway, <laughs> if you are ever tied to a silver chair, yeah, make sure you appeal to Aslan.
1: And always keep your sword sharp enough to cut through a chair just in case.
0: Just in case.
1: Don't forget to wipe your sword.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, it'll stink.
1: Yep. See ya.
0: Bye. properly wouldn't yeah we wouldn't have plump. they properly wouldn't have ended up in pro- they probably Okay but it was still snowing it's not it's not salad season
1: Magic Kristen No Hey hey little lady should I get you some honey cakes Yes please Okay But well, this isn't a bee products podcast This is
0: not a honey products podcast Bees
1: Aslam has... Aslam. 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 Aslan's cousin. Hello.
0: Engine of sorcery. Sorcery. And his schwad.
1: It's much easier to manipulate a man than this chapter is uh, making it out to be. (laughs) It's just... (laughs) Wow. I'm I'm just saying that, like... Every night, there comes an hour where my mind is not horrible. Let's start that again. Every night, there comes an hour where my mind is most horrible. God. Okay, coming back. I'd say I need to sit down with a computer and a keyboard and type all these, so like, there is no question about what I'm writing.
0: Right might be valuable. Okay,
1: here is my summary.